Welcome, everyone, and thank you for tuning in to the Fader and Friends podcast. I am your host, DJ Darth Fader. Now, each week, we're going to be sitting down and talking with guests from all around the world about their life stories, passions, and favorite movies. Then we'll do a deep dive into their pick of movie. Later, we'll recast the movie using today's actors. If you'd like to be part of the live podcast experience, make sure you go to twitch.tv slash DJ Darth Fader. We live broadcast our podcast on Thursday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern. Now on with the show. Here's our guest for tonight's podcast, Mr. Billy Lane. Howdy. Hey. Still uh, changing hats here. Give me one second, but I'm, I'm with you. Thumbs up you all have, the way. You, you have a hat? I, have, I, I changed my shirt for today just for you. Dude, speaking of change my shirt, I am sweaty after that. You, were, that you, guys were going, you guys were going ham in there. I saw that. That was a good time. Uh, no yeah. use for anger. Thanks for bringing in that huge ass raid earlier. And um, yo, big up, man. How's it going? I stopped in in uh, in his chat for for a little bit too, and he was he was bumping too. Yeah, totally. Catch uh, crushes it, right? Love it. I love. I'm over here setting up lights for this right now. <laughs> this is great. No worries. So uh, yeah, so we're gonna talk about uh, so the basic premise of what we're doing here, just for a recap for those of guys that are just catching in on the channel here. Uh, each and every. Thursday night from 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific for all my West Coast homies out there. Uh, we sit down with uh, someone that I know, either virtually or, you know, in, in real life or, or whatever. Talk to them about their life, some fun, interesting stories and things of that. Get to know them to a deeper, to a better level. We also kind of parlay that into a movie podcast because we talk about one of their favorite movies. Um, but more importantly, I want to talk to uh, this man right here. That's my guest tonight is Billy Lane. Yes, that would be you, sir. That would that would be you. Um, you were out in California. We have never actually met in person, but there's this crazy little thing called COVID-19 for for all the, the future people who may be checking this out. In the future, future, future. Future. I have had the honor and privilege of making this man's acquaintance, and we have become fast friends over, I would say, this past you know, nine months to, to a, a year. Um, why don't you give, you know, the, the, you know, the quick liner sheet, some liner notes on, uh, on your backstory up until, you know, maybe early childhood, that kind of stuff. And we can kind of move it from there. Dope. My backstory. Uh, well, music nerd. Um, I guess, uh, man, I've, I've told the story a few times now, which is dope. And I've, I've never had to tell the story uh, a lot, which is which is fun. I'm getting better at telling it. <laughs> um, the uh, growing up as a kid, we've always had music around. Uh, uh, we got several musicians in my family, as far as like parents and grandparents and uncles and stuff like that. A lot of them play an instrument. Um, it was very common for uh, like during family gatherings for somebody to start playing the piano and then somebody to pick up a harmonica and start playing the harmonica. Everybody's clapping along. And like, that was like a, a normal like jam session would like happen a lot growing up. That's something I grew up with. And I have uncles play guitar and they jump in and it'd be like a jam session. And so like, that was like my musical flavorings as a kid growing up when I had like no choice uh, about the kind of music that I was in, what, you know, to be into or to like or whatever. Um, my parents listened to a lot of Motown my mom liked a lot of cheesy 80s shit. Um, and so, like, I'm a product of that. Yeah, I don't know. Fast forward to, like, uh, school age. You start getting into, 
defining what your generation or what you as an individual like. And I believe like in the 90s, there was a, a, a weird cross culture of like media and, and, and old school culture. Yeah. Where like we were all kind of forced to look for like music and movies that we identified with that uh, said, this is who we are as an individual because we like this kind of stuff. Right. Um, I believe that's kind of been a little bit more homogenized these days. But back yeah. then it was really defined. You know what I mean? Like you were like, it was really clickish, you know? Sure. Um, and so like I identified as like a B-boy slash like skater, graffiti kid, got into raving, um, listened to a lot of gangster rap, a lot of East Coast hip hop shit. And uh, started getting into uh, anything that hit, that bumped. You know what I mean? Um, but what, what time is this? This is like early 90s by now. Gotcha. Late 80s, early 90s. I'm uh, getting into anything that, that's got that bass and, yeah. and, and, the, and the fun, the break beats and like just the shit that gets me hype. And so uh, kind of follow that sound through things like, I mean, you had uh, Sir Mix-A-Lot type stuff and uh, DJ Magic Mike type stuff back in the day. That was just straight up like 808 shit. And then I started getting into more like of the production element of it. So I started getting into things like Techmaster PEB and um, uh, Dynamics 2 and like uh, Mantronics and stuff like that. And uh, that was kind of my gateway into things like Juan Atkins and um, getting into the really uh, electro techno kind of stuff. Eventually, that kind of rave sound developed. And I ended up identifying mostly with like a sound to me that like was still kind of street. I never really got into like the, I don't know what, what, what the nice way to put it. I, it, I never crossed a certain line of cheese. Okay. When it came to the rave, right? Like, yeah, it's like like the popular, like you know, the the more known, like kind of things we're talking. If it was popular or known is one thing, but if it was like a certain style that was just kind of corny to me, mm. I wasn't really down. Like, I wanted to like be like I wanted to the I wanted the aggression. I wasn't really into the the hype or the the the, the fake energy kind of yeah. Kind of thing. You know what I mean? You um, still wanted to kind of have that kind of rebellious, like punk rock kind of vibe to anything you're approaching. Right. right. Do you feel you still feel that you are that way, like now, like with with not just your taste for music, but with other things as well? Do you yeah, feel totally. like you still have that kind of like in your culture? It's one hundred percent hasn't changed. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, the DIY attitude definitely hasn't changed either, because um, the to be into this style of music means that you were uh, brushed off as a niche um, or as a, or, as a, or as, a, as a gimmick or a trend that would fall off thrown into like if if you were getting like like a big party acceptance you mm. were in room four of four you know what i mean yeah. like you, were, you were never room you're one in, of four. you were you were on the maid stage you were in like the side room you were the redheaded stepchild or yeah, whatever exactly. you were doing with that but let's go let's go back like even a little further before like before djing and that kind of stuff mm -hmm. you grew up in sacramento you're like born and raised like the like nonstop. oh yeah totally i uh, grew up um, just outside of the city and uh, moved to the city um, a little bit later. But when I was growing up in Sacramento, uh, it was all about um, graffiti and b-boy culture um, in my youth. And so I was all about breakdancing, all about uh, finding like uh, tracks that had the, the dope breaks in it. Um, and uh, we were all about just trying to stunt on folks. The, the old spot was the sock hop at the roller skating rink 
Um, and I was in a, I was in an old breakdance crew. Our crew's name was Shuffle Effigus. <laughs> yes. No. Yes. That's yeah, yeah. awesome. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Shuffle Effigus uh, ran shit. No, we didn't really run shit. We were okay. The <laughs> the crew that ran shit was a crew called Floor Rascals um, back in the day, and they they are uh, still to this day like honored as like legends in Sacramento as far as b boying goes. Cool. And um and and also like recognized on like a West Coast B-Boy legendary status as well. So big up to Floor Rascals. Um, and uh, yeah, I was, you know, I'm B-Boy into, into like before raving, it was just like, uh, you know, dances at the roller skating rink and like things like that. Um, and those are my early influences on like the DJ dance uh, disco kind of culture. You know what I mean? Um, and uh, so, yeah, uh, growing up in Sacramento, we had um, all kinds of, uh, boring shit that we did uh played video games a lot i was big into super nintendo and regular nintendo i remember when i got my my nes um and uh mike tyson's punch out yes um i like my brain is programmed for that game still i can <laughs> i can probably like even like even though i haven't touched the game in a while i could probably still get to at least soda popinski but probably all the way to uh super macho man on on one person without dying <laughs> Um, I just the everything about that game is programmed into my head. It's all muscle memory, right? Dude, yeah. Even the Tyson 3763 is the code to Tyson. Like I that kind of yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like that's the code, right? I was waiting for it to chat. No one's throwing. Yeah, Billy still cheats. It's still, dude. It's dude, dude. Tyson is hard as fuck. Still, if, still, like yeah. still. Yeah, even if you like are playing an emulator or some other shit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, soda pop you see, me up. like the guy in the corner that's like the little giveaway that means yep. he's gonna bop and he's gonna throw it and even still you can still get caught and you can get got for mike tyson for real and one punch done goes <laughs> no. you can catch those hands those digital hands for real right. i love um, that like i i was a you know i growing up i was like into video games like a lot like i was kind of like uh i was kind of sick as a kid so I, I played sports, but like I was like I, I was kind of like well-rounded. But I loved loved playing video games. Love the love the Street Fighter in the arcades. Love love yeah. that stuff. So that's I think one of the things that uh, that bonded us like real quick was like, oh wait, you're down with Street Fighter? Oh, I love Street Fighter too. Fuck yeah! There was a, there was two places in my neighborhood. One of them was Rico's Pizza, and the other one was Birdcage Walk Arcade. And Rico's Pizza is where like the Scrubs played, where we were trying to like <laughs> practice and get good, right? And the dope thing about Rico's Pizza was one of, one of the Street Fighter. They had like a couple of them. One of the Street Fighter games, um, it was like an old one that was like the first one that they got. Um, you could actually uh, pound out a nickel to the size of a quarter and put and put it into the slot, and it would, <laughs> and it would take it. Nice. Um, and so uh, I spent many of summer afternoons just banging on nickels in the driveway. And my, <laughs> and like, my dad is like wondering like, what the hell what are you doing? Yeah. Like, what are you doing? With the hammering nickels with the right, right now. Like what's going on? Don't worry about it, dad. We got it covered. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm saving you 20 cents right here. Yeah, exactly. I'm getting five for one. Um, and, uh, and, and, you know, totally committing a federal crime. And, <laughs> um, and then um, if we wanted to show our shit, then you went to birdcage birdcage is where they had the tournaments birdcage is where like, you showed and proved, right? Um, and they had like the the Street Fighter arcades with the extra TV on top for those that were like lurking behind, so they can watch the game as well. Um, yeah, and uh, 
that was where like you uh what up aiden scott appreciate you brother that was where uh you you knew if you had the goods or not and i never had the goods like there was people that were way <laughs> better than me yeah um at birdcage for sure and that was all the way through yeah, the real gangsters were at birdcage that was all the way through uh Mortal Kombat and uh, Killer Instinct. Yes. Game. The craze, all those crazes like happened at yeah. Birdcage as well. I, rem you, I remember being in, uh, I remember being in an arcade uh, in Italy when I was living in Italy for a couple of years when my stepfather was in the military. We'd go there and they'd have, they'd have a Street Fighter, they'd have a Mortal Kombat, they had like a Killer Instinct. I remember just slamming quarters on the glass bro just like yep. grinding and out putting it in it was like that was like such a good time that was like 95 96 ish around that time super dope i loved it that was right at the end like i i uh late 90s i want to say basically when i got my license to drive so i'll say like when i was 16 um that was when all of that ended for me and i started <laughs> i started driving to oakland to go to raves and shit instead yeah um before like i had to like uh sneak out of the house and go to raves at this place called the grind in west sack it was a skate park cool um, and uh yeah junior high going to that shit was amazing um and uh I, a lot of that music that i was playing a second ago was like from that era oh really yeah 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 that's dope i remember one of my like first uh like first music exposure experiences was a, around that time too is that uh you know i was living overseas in a foreign country and the American dollar still meant something. So I could go as a young teenage kid and get into mad trouble. And I don't know if my mom's listening on the you know podcast right now or whatever, but earmuffs. Uh, I got into I got into some trouble that probably she doesn't even know about. Uh, we we went and snuck in like full blown, like legit nightclubs as a young teenage kid with american money they did not give a fuck if i bought cigarettes i could buy booze i could go and wild out as like a young teenage kid and i did that i remember i remember going to this big there's this big club it's like multi floors in different areas and rooms and everything like we were talking about before one you go in and you're hearing like the the euro house and the dance and like all that shit then you go off to the room that's like dark and it's like brick and they're playing fucking this is how we do it and then like, it's all this american like hip-hop and all that good shit like that was one of my first exposures to like just just music and in, in a in a live kind of performance setting i fucking loved it bro. I yeah loved it. that was the sock hop for us roller king in roseville was my uh my spot for that early spot for that a lot of uh west coast the the roller skating rinks after dark were uh youth nightclubs um yeah like that's what that's what they did to keep the, the kids off the streets right um there was another place also that was a under eight like under 18 like if you were over 18 you weren't allowed in right it was like <laughs> yeah. it was under 18 spots lock-ins exactly digit uh another spot that wasn't quite a lock-in naughty vibes just threw it up was a place called the amazon um and the yeah the amazon was uh was dope too that was an early like an early 90s spot big up charisma big up scott Martinson, um, all those cats, man, that was dope. David X, Eddie Adul. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't want to get too much into like regional shit, but <laughs> um, the uh, we we used to go to like roller skating rinks as our early parties, and then it it you know, as we got older, we started finding other stuff. Um, and um, but getting before that, you said you wanted to touch a little bit before that, um. Yeah, just like what were you, you know, around, you know, the the time, you know, 
be, like pre DJ, you know, mm -hmm. Billy Lane, what were you doing, you know, around that time as far as like, you know, your, some of your influences for that stuff, what were you doing for, you know, like working and like your, you know, what, like what was your first job? Like what were your, cause we have a lot in common. So I'm wondering if, if that like, cause there are things that I don't obviously don't know about you that I want to. And that's the whole purpose of yeah. like bringing my friends in here. Like what was your first job? Like what were your, you know, some of your first like things that you were doing? My first job was at Burger King. Um, and I got my, uh, my worker's permit at 15 years old. Um, because I, I have a late birthday, right? My birthday is in November. And so I was either got, either you get held back or you're really young for yeah. your, your high school year. Right. So right. I was, I was young, um, graduated at just turned 17 and I graduated. Right. Uh, oh, so, wow. um, so the, uh, at, at when everyone's getting their worker's permit, um, when they're 16, I'm still 15, but all of my friends are applying. Right. And so me being the, the, the uh, forgery expert that I am, <laughs> it would be wise to just take a year away on my application for my work permit wow. and, and smooth it right by the office because um, they wouldn't know the difference because they, all of my friends are in the same class. It's close enough, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah. The Antelope Burger King, I, um, I got my first worker's permit at 15 and uh, big up Billy Yarbrough. It was right by a really famous Citrus Heights skater spot. Um, and all the skaters used to hang out and smoke weed in the parking lot at that Burger King. <laughs> and um, yeah, we were uh, we were terrible. It was it was an amazing first job, but you did not want to eat there. Uh, and it was like a really bad bad restaurant. <laughs> um, so when did you when did you start getting into DJing? Um, so uh, I start getting into DJing right around the breakdancing stuff. Okay. Because uh, I'm like already collecting music. My buddy Andrew and I, Andrew Moik, big up Andrew Moiko, Drew Mo, still a DJ out of San Jose. Um, we used to be the people that would uh, sneak out of the house and go to uh, Tower Records um, and and stand in line for the new release that comes out uh, uh, Tuesday morning at midnight. Right, Tower would have would, would make you would hold on to they would they would get the stuff on Monday. And then you would have to stand in line. And if you were lucky enough, you would get the new release when they opened up the fucking window at midnight and were selling off the shit at midnight. I don't know if you guys remember that. Um, but uh, so we used to do that. We used to sneak out and like get new music. And we were always like trying to one up each other. Like I would buy some new shit and he would buy some new shit. And we'd be always like play it in our cars. We always had stereos in our cars ghetto rig like put installing our own alpines with home speakers in the trunk kind of oh, shit. sure for sure um and like we would always try to bust on each other there's people that i went to high school with in the chat right now that know exactly what i'm talking <laughs> about um i did that too i uh, i made my like i worked at radio shack like right out of like inside of high school and like i would go and like i bought the conversion kit for the fucking aftermarket stereo and the the woofer boxes and like hooked up all that stuff man i was i was knee deep in that too for real so you couldn't afford the rockford fosgate so you put the fisher home speaker in the trunk and you're good yeah. to go, i put the <laughs> optimus or whatever the fuck that radio shack brand was i'm like wait i get a discount on this yeah that, i'm gonna do this you know instead yeah that's fine right 100 big, yeah big up jenny 916 yeah she knows about drumo so uh drumo uh nobody calls him andrew he goes by drew but I call him Andrew because we've known each other that long. So Drew, Drew Mo and I, um, Andrew Moiko and I, uh, we were definitely like brothers in arms when it came to uh, 
being record store hounds at, at first, right? Um, and at, then it was like cassettes and CDs, not really vinyl. Um, and then I got my first job at a place called uh, CD Research in Davis, which was a record store in Davis um, slash head shop. Um, <laughs> or sorry, uh, tobacco use only. Um, we sell water pipes, not bongs. If you say bong, you're getting kicked the fuck out of the shop kind of shop back in the day. This is like late 90s. And um, California being very early to the medical marijuana oh, sure. uh, thing. But, you know, uh, back then you could not say medical marijuana. You could say anything like that. It was for tobacco use, water pipes, not bongs. Um, so in any case, I used to sell screens out of that shop and music sometimes. And uh, there was a record. It was actually a record store. Um, and the cool thing about that record store, this is what actually got me into like really, really deep into like music as far as like DJing outside of just music that I like or collecting or DJing, meaning collecting music more than just what I like, um, but actually being turned on to stuff outside of my bubble, so to speak. Yeah. Um, gotcha. was working at this record shop because the way that it worked was uh, at CD research, you walk up to a counter, like a bar and all the music is behind the counter. And you walk up to a, a CD player with a binder and the binder was filled. The front page would have like this week's new releases. And then they had the, this binder sorted by either artist, genre or title or album name. And you can like look for specific stuff and then ask your bartender, your music tender for the album. Right. And so it was my job to uh, not only like field that request, but also be able to say, oh, you like this artist, then you'll like this, this, and this uh, as yeah. well. And stack You're a them. music sommelier, if you will. Right. And so, like, and, and, and the whole gimmick of the store was you can listen to it before you buy it. We always had a listening copy. And if you liked it, we had a sealed copy that you can buy. Right. And back then, listening to the CD before you can buy it is a fucking big deal. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, but right. Like, for real. Yeah. And so, like, uh, this is in a college town. And so, like, we're getting college taste in music, which is not just like a normal record store. It's like a younger right. demographic, right? And so, the owner of this record store, uh, Big Up Ray, and if Ray, he still comes and visits me every now and then. Actually, on, on like he's been on Twitch, he visits me on Facebook. Big Up Ray, OG, he purposely when he uh, ran this record shop, um, this is CD Research still, um, in a way that uh, he staffed it with two people. And if one person was into one style of music, the other person that worked with them was absolutely not into that style of music also. That's cool. So, so you were forced to like take turns playing music in the shop, kind of like the movies you see where they're fighting over what to play in the shop and shit yeah, like yeah. that. Like, like Empire Records, for sure. Like Empire Records, right. So we would take turns like fighting over what to play in the shop and we would be influenced by like stuff that we would never listen to to begin with, right? And like that kind of like learned me on like different styles of music, working with these different people. And then um, on top of it, I know I'm getting long-winded on this. On top of it, uh, we had um, these billboards that were posted around the record shop. I don't know if you guys remember old record shops, but like there's records everywhere. There's promos everywhere. It's a mess usually. It's like it's, it's, and there's posters and all kinds of advertisements and like, you know, kind of shit going on. So we had these chalkboards and every, every week we had to put on our top 10 releases that we liked for that week. And so if somebody came into the shop and they asked for a certain style of music, I'd be like, oh, that's the kind of music that so-and-so's into. And I look over to their at their board and be like, okay, so if they're asking for this, they're going to they're gonna want to hear this, this, and this. And I would look like a total expert 
but I'm really just fucking going by the cliff notes that are like all around me. Right. And the, the oh, Ray's a genius for that, like total genius for that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, the shop was great. And that's when I first started uh, DJing, like DJing outside of just like playing music for friends and not really trying to mix or being like a performer or anything like that. Um, Cause the record shop also had a DJ service. And so yeah. my, my first gigs um, were not raves was not jungle. It was mobile DJing um, for like college parties and, yeah. uh, and things like that. That was, that was coming business that came to the record shop um because of you know we're known for having all the music they're gonna yeah. see can you come and play that music for us you know what i mean like yes um, yeah that, that was so. my that was like my first uh, couple of dj gigs too because i was always the kid that had the music because my father is in the radio business still to this day uh he's a, a record consultant i know being in radio yourself you know what that is you you're the middle the lore, dude yeah dude, you're, you're the yeah. middleman between the radio stations and the record label so you get promo singles you get all the shit before it's come out right you know like because they want to be playing those 10 songs those 15 songs you know or whatever right. that, that are doing that right so i used to go visit my dad when i was younger and i'd go you know hit up his office his closet i was like what can i have he's like that whole closet in there you can have whatever you want in there so we're talking like promo only cds like early early promo only cds i used to yeah. have promotional cassettes like that weren't even like genre like group. They were just like these are the fucking bangers that are coming March out or whatever. whatever year. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly right. Yeah. So I take that. I take all these singles, or whatever. I'd come home. I'd have all the music. My friends with him, you have to say, "Yo, we're having a birthday party. You know, come bring your come bring your music. You know, you whatever." This is shit, right? It was perfect. And like that's one of the one of my first DJ gigs, which is funny, is because my mom helped me DJ it because. She helped me set up the shit. We used, I had no, this is no professional beat matching, mixing or whatever. This is like playing tracks, fading up, fading down or whatever into the, into the next thing. Right. So this is like home stereo carpet speakers with a five disc CD changer on one side, a radio shack mixer in the middle and like a, fucking yes. sony walkman on the other side this is yes. this is no pro level shit this is just me chilling with like homies and then like you know and, and playing music and that's it and that's literally how like i got my shit started and what's funny that you mentioned uh you know with your job at the record store doing that my mom actually uh fast forward a little bit we moved out to the east coast my mom took like a second job working at like blockbuster and uh she was working like late you know part-time like late late nights and doing stuff I would go after school and be out of my like part-time job too and just go to Blackbuster, which is like three doors down from like where I was working and go chill with my mom. And and I go into Blockbuster and literally start small yaying movies for people because like I always love movies, always kind of like been around media. So You're I was seeing Yeah. So like someone would be like, hey, I'm kind of looking for, you know, that movie is like this, blah, blah, blah. He's like, and I'd be like, oh, you like this movie? All right. So next time, grab that. And I'd stack them. Suggested selling. All that like right. detail background is like, you you know, check out this movie next. Like this movie, you know, and your next one. Or or maybe grab it because it's like a five-day rental so you can get both or whatever and blah, blah, blah. I wasn't even on the fucking payroll. I just loved movies. Talking like shop. that. Right. It's just, yeah, exactly. Which is right. probably one of the reasons why we're doing this is because I love fucking movies. It's funny is um... – so we're, we're in the record store. I'm still chronological here with you. <laughs> By the way, awesome, awesome. Uh, and so I'm I I 
start to discover that while I'm at the record shop and DJing for these parties, I'm starting to feel like it's not a full fulfillment for me. And I'm because I'm not I'm starting to like play these parties where I'm playing music that I don't identify with. And I'm just kind of like um, feeling like there's got to be something more to it, especially like when my I have a, you know, a family full of musicians that are kind of like smirking at the idea of DJing. And <laughs> and um, even though they're all music collectors and record collectors also. Sure. Right? Yeah. Um, and so but uh, it's live instrumentation or get the fuck out like that. Right. I, 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 better, I get it. It's a, it's, we human humanity hasn't changed, bro. That's yeah. what the, that's what the sync button is now. But I want well, I digress. In any case, um, so uh, but yeah, so I started to get into music that the store wasn't necessarily carrying, and so I started to have less interest in that job um, because it wasn't really, um, you know, uh, I was kind of growing out of that that spot basically. And so um, I leave the record shop and I forget what I did for a job. I think I was, I was working as a waiter or something like that. And um, I was buying records at these record shops. And this is by this time, I'm like wanting to keep it real DJ. Right. <laughs> um, and um, I'm uh, I start doing this show on a, on a, on an internet radio station called, um, KCBL, and it's a not internet radio, sorry, a community radio station. This is before the internet. Let me clarify, a community radio station. We're old people. Just yeah. so if you're listening to this uh, audio only, we are old. Go ahead. Yeah, so a community radio station. So in other words, this was a radio station that had a very small radius that it could pick up, maybe a couple of miles tops, um, and anybody who was there donated their time to be there as well as paid money for their time slot. Like this is like community radio at its finest. Right. Um, and in the same, in the same studio as the community radio station was the public access television station as well. And um, for those of you who are not familiar with public access, that was Twitch in the, in the, <laughs> in the 20th century. <laughs> for um, so uh, any case, um, I'm in the I'm in the community radio uh, station and I'm starting to play like DJ music that I want to play on this community radio show called The Unknown Future and it's mostly like gangster rap and Wu Tang kind of West or East Coast hip hop shit and then I would do this section in the show that I called the Bundle of Jungle and it was like a like a thirty minute twenty minute section of like old breakbeat hardcore records and like eventually like jungle records and drum and bass records. Uh, it's all the same shit. It's just kind of defining a year. Um, and um, the, uh, the bundle of jungle at the, in the unknown future was like the beginning of, uh, of me like spinning uh, drum and bass and being known as like a jungle DJ here in town. Yeah. Um, and I had one person who was in my audience back then. And that was DJ M AKA rude boy soldier here on Twitch. Oh um, yeah. Yeah, totally. And uh, you could call into the station. And I don't know about many of you that have been in like a college radio or community radio, but when you call, there's like a strobe light that flashes yep. that tells you when there's a caller. Something's happening, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so um, he would call. The first time he called and the strobe light happened, it uh, tripped me out. I didn't know what it was. And um, the guy that was like my, my mentor there, he's like, yo, that means you have a phone call. Somebody's actually listening to you. Like, nobody, <laughs> nobody called. <laughs> 
Like nobody calls. And so I pick up the phone. I'm like, hello. <laughs> he's like, dude, you're supposed to say KCBL. Blah, blah. Like, oh yeah. Oh yeah. KCBL. Like, he's like trying to train me. Right. Um, and uh, it was lo and behold, it was uh Ruby soldier, AKA DJM. And we've been great friends ever since. That's dope. Um, That's yeah. such a good story. Um, and so like, yeah, the unknown future um, was a fun radio show. We did a lot of funny shit. We did skits. We did all kinds of crazy shit. Um, a lot of, a lot of writing early radio writing that I do um started there um by the way i did not intentionally make my green screen the same color as your color scheme that's kind of amazing that's awesome yeah. that works yeah, yeah. Teal, teal teal's my jam black and teal that's my word up that's, um that's my jam so uh while i'm digging for records and looking for records uh and i'm starting to get more into jungle i'm looking for record stores to find jungle at um i discover a couple uh without getting too long with it because we've been talking for a while um i found imagine music and that was where um i ended up becoming like this my home um and big up james and big up jay drixie big up eddie adul we used to hold that place fucking down and um imagine music was the shop and uh we had a dope record selection dope clientele and uh cr we created we created a real community like a like an organic old school community started from that record shop. And honestly, it's still showing today, today, it's today yeah. in the chat right now. Right. Yeah. Right. That's yeah. what, yeah. If yeah. I can speak on it as someone that is ne never, well, have I, I don't think I've ever been to Sacramento. I've been out in all up and down California, but I don't think I've ever been there. The, the love in the community that like it surrounds you on this platform and just in general with what I, what I see in social media, I think it's awesome. So like everybody that like tunes in and shows up and like is just there for you like the whole entire time. It's like it, it, it's such a good thing to see as, as somebody that's like an outside like observer. I think it, I think it's awesome how much uh, how, how much they're they're there for you, like no matter what. I think it's huge. Appreciate that. Those are the homies, man. Big up Elliot Estes. Uh, Elliot Estes's mom bought his first pair of turntables from me, uh, and she's an amazing woman. Appreciate you, man. Um, big up Elliot Estes. That's the true homie right there. Um, and his family is beautiful. Uh, big up your mom's. Uh, your mom's is Entity's uh, wife, and I was their wedding DJ. That's awesome. Um, and uh, it was, that was an incredible time. Another story for the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, the record store was ground zero, and it was our internet, right? That was where that was where we figured it out, uh, and we had no choice because you know there's nowhere else to go. Um, and um, it's it's an it's amazing, uh, like I, like you, like like you're talking about the stay power that it has and the real connections that we've had. And we, I've tried to make it a point. I don't say I very often, but I, I've tried to make it a point to at least once a year uh, get us all together, make an attempt to get us all together and have a laugh um, to this day. So uh, we started 916 Junglist as a promotion in 1998. And um, it's been all kinds of things. But one thing that it hasn't been is gone. We've maintained presence, um, which is I'm, I'm really proud of that, honestly. So. Uh, big up to all y'all in the chat. That's that's because of y'all. So uh, I, I don't know how we're gonna be able to segue kind of into this, but let's let's kind of move into uh, you know trying to figure out <laughs> where we can go from here. 
as a, as it pertains to you know maybe your maybe other you know media intake and and other things kind of you know that that have kind of uh, been around you that is maybe along the media sides of things you know as far as you know movies and and that kind of it goes TV shows and stuff that you were kind of you know into as a youth that may have kind of helped you along with you know the the b boy kind of stuff. Um, definitely in, uh, as a nineties B-boy, I'm not old enough to be an eighties B-boy. Um, as a nineties B-boy, we watched eighties breakdance movies and they were already old then. Right. Yeah. Um, break in, break into electric boogaloo. Uh, you know what I mean? Like the list goes on and on and on, obviously. Um, yeah. and then there was, um, and we were also uh, big into um, just the movies that, that we grew up with. Um, and the, there's a there's a specific like PG thirteen happened in our childhood. You yeah. realize that, right? Yeah. Um, and so there were movies that were PG uh, growing up that would probably tear the line of PG to PG thirteen now. Right. Um, and a lot of those movies like dug deep into us um, that pushed that line. I would say, and when it comes to like violence or when it comes to just being a teenager and like the, you know, the, the teenager humor shit, um, saying shit, um, you know, stuff like that. Like uh, Goonies is an example. Um, the first revision of E.T. Um, and like never ending story. Um, all the uh, the Jim Henson shit, um, in, including like uh, the Hobbit or not the Hobbit, but um, Dark Crystal um, and stuff like that. Like those were all like pushing it. Right. Um, and so. uh and there'd be, you know, there would be some like people that would um, say that, like, you know, that, that's that's too much for my kid um, these days in a lot of ways, right? Yeah, yeah, I I think so. I think right. so. Um, and so, uh, legend. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so like uh, growing up with those movies, like I I uh, I identify with a specific generation that also grew up with those movies. I love like um, corny eighties. Uh, hero's journey movies like rad yeah. and fucking you know what I mean like just like fucking um, the last dragon and the last like, dragon yes. oh my god I love that movie yeah. so much yeah. yes all um, that all that stuff yeah the the, the 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 corny writing the funny montages where they got to paint and fix up the house like uh you know what I mean like anything any of that shit like I'm fucking down dude like uh I I grew up with all of those rad yeah you know it time bandits fuck yeah time yeah. adventures and babysitting you know it man Straight up. Don't tell mom these hitters dead even. <laughs> Show enough. Right? Show yeah. enough. <laughs> All right. So let's get into your pick, which does fall into that kind of hero's journey, kind of fun, doesn't take itself too seriously, but kind of did, you know, for the time period of what it is now, uh, which is Big Trouble in Little China. Can you speak to me a little bit about why, why you chose this movie out of all the, you know, the realm of possibilities, why this one? Um, one of the, one of the reasons, uh, and, and noob tested gaming almost got it right. Um, not the wire fights, but the, um, the characters in the movie, like this is a movie from my early childhood, right? This is like late eighties when this movie came out. Yeah. 1986, like, yeah. 86. Right. And so this is a movie from my childhood. Now fast forward five or so was it maybe six or so years to 1992, 93, and you've got Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat coming out, 
and they've got dudes that shoot lightning out of their hands and fucking crazy like beast characters and shit and i'm like yo that's straight out of big trouble in little china yo that's another like all these like different characters like reminded me of that movie and so having that tie back between that six-year gap yeah from that point forward like whenever that movie came on tv i'm stopping and watching um <laughs> or like if i you know if i see it like in the uh, fast forward a little bit later, if I see it in the cable menu, when I'm scrolling through the cable menu, who does that anymore? I'm stopping and watching, right? Like um, all the rewatchability, right? Right. All the, and the quotability of it. And yeah. this, you, you could pop in at any scene and you're right. You're right. I'm ready to go. Like I, I'm right into the adventure. I don't care. I know exactly what's up. You know what I mean? Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, Kung Lao, Shang Tsung, like they're all, like uh, uh we'll, yeah, we'll we'll definitely talk about that in a little bit because I've got some, you know, I've got some little bit of little bit of something something prepared for that because well, let's fuck it, let's just get into it right now. Those characters, like Raiden, like Shang Tsung, are directly inspired from this movie. I yeah. wanted to get into it later, but that like it's not like you know they kind of like they are direct reflections. There's been interviews and you know things that have been told that that Shang Tsung specifically. And Raiden are exact. They are. They did. Are birthed from this movie. Right. Right. So uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, it's like Ed Ed Boone or whatever his name is. Uh, noob yeah. Noob Cybot spelled yeah. back is spelled spelling is the spelling backwards of the two developers. Yeah. And I can only remember Boone because I don't know what Cybot back is. Tobias or whatever. Okay. Bad um, guy. But yeah, <laughs> uh, straight up like. Uh, there are the there those characters are straight up modeled after um Big Trouble in Little China. And how could you not, as a kid who grew up with that movie and then seeing it in a video game, just be like, This is the fucking coolest shit ever? You know what I mean? Right. Especially when like the lightning blows up the person's head for the fatality and shit. You're like so fucking down, right? Um and uh yeah, um that's that's incredible. Uh I I uh that's probably like um what like what solidified that movie's stay power um to me and then another thing i really like is there's a there's one particular fight scene um it's actually towards the beginning of the movie when he's rolling in with the pork chop express and they pull into the alley and there's that big fucking gang fight in the beginning there's a funeral and then it starts off as a gunfight and then they all they fucking they all they the gunfight settles and they all come out and they got the you know what i mean and they're and they're Hell, dude, that is probably like seriously like one of the dopest fight scenes, and like for a couple of reasons. One is because they do the special, the crazy special effects, but then two, like if you're into like martial arts, there's like little teeny cutscenes every now and then where they show this the, the small game of martial arts, like right. person who knows how to like counter punch and shit like that, like the art of it, right? But then there's the flying shit too, like the over the top shit too. Like such a dope fight scene. Like it's a it's, it's an incredible fight scene. So when we were watching the show with the, with the commentary as a as a as a study up for this episode, yeah. The one thing that I thought was funny, and there's a lot of there's a lot of fun facts in the commentary, but one thing that was funny was the uh, the lipstick scene when the uh, when when the lipstick rubs off on his face and he's still yeah, he's talking off. shit. Yeah, that scene was totally like improv. Like they did the kiss scene. And her makeup rubbed off on him, and they were gonna like clean him up um, as to uh, before the they they shot the next scene where he's gonna have to go fight actually fight people like right? with the next the next scene was them like it was him actually fighting people, and they were like 
No, fuck that. Leave. The, he's like, he's like, leave <laughs> the fucking lipstick on. He's like, I'm gonna keep a straight face, and we'll just we'll hammer this out. Oh, yeah. And I honestly like that's like a fucking that's a great fucking scene, dude. <laughs> Gracie Law, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so let's go back to the 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 you know kind of that that intro of that uh, you know of, of this movie. And mm -hmm. and what's funny, what I what I liked about it um, is it the opening scene of the movie wasn't the you know wasn't originally supposed to be there it opens with egg in like the lawyer's office and he's talking to you know to, to that right the he's trying, it, he's trying to ask him to tell the story yeah so like that's yeah that's exactly the point is is that there you know he's kind of like retelling you know the story of, of what happens and which i think is you know interesting is that on our last episode with the princess bride it is that same similar kind of thing that there's a narrator, not really a narrator, but there's a story within a story or it's, you know, taken out of time. So you can kind of, you know, see that too, which, which I thought was like a neat, uh, which was a cool kind of tie into. He ties, he ties know, it back together at the end to too. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. Yeah. Um, and, uh, the one thing that, uh, John Carpenter was saying, um, when they were talking about the, the rewriting of the, um, of the story was that actually big trouble in little China was originally written, written as a Western. Yeah. Um, and uh, the, the horse rides into town, the horse gets stolen, and then he has to go into the CD underworld in order to get his horse back um, or rides his horse into town. Right. Uh, and so, yeah, the, um, the story was rewritten uh, in this fashion, but the original story was written as a Western, which is, I thought was pretty cool. Uh, I, I agree hundred percent. Yeah. I love that, the, that they took this take on it. Um, it's, it's just something that's different uh, that it, it, it was it was something cool, um, but it wasn't uh, the only one of its time that that was out around the same time that 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 went from like action movie with a little bit of comedy martial arts movie with that Asian kind of mysticism because there's literally a movie that they had to rush through production of this movie to get it out into theaters ahead of time, and that would uh, that would be the Golden Child, that Eddie Murphy movie. Yep, and th that was uh, they were like in direct competition, which I think is also crazy interesting, is because uh, Lopan is in <laughs> the actor that played uh, David Lopan is in both he's in both movies. <laughs> and uh, what ended up happening, spoiler y'all, is Aliens took the whole fucking prize that year. <laughs> aliens sure. wiped it all out. Yeah. Um, they were expecting uh, Big Trouble in Little China to uh, be a blockbuster, and it wasn't. It was it was not a movie success. Um, it was a it was a home video success, um, and that's they made that very clear in their commentary too. Um, that they they had it was a big budget movie, um, but they uh, they lost out to Aliens big time in the theaters that year, um, and it was a VHS success exactly. I think uh, I, I was reading that um, Clint Eastwood was was one of the people that was possibly in the running to be for Jack Burton. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I didn't get any of that in, as far as who was cast uh, or who was potentially cast. Um, they didn't really talk about that in the commentary, but that'd be amazing to think about Clint Eastwood. Uh, you know, since it's originally written, written as a Western, um, you know what I mean? So I could see how that could be um, considered. The the studio the, it's, it's who the studio uh, chose. John Carpenter only wanted to work with Kurt Russell because he and he's going to be do, he, he 
he later does it, you know, even though more with Snake with the Snake Plissken character. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But like John Carpenter only wanted to work with him, but I mean he had you know, he ended up getting his way. But the the studio suggested now can you imagine this around this time? The studio suggested Jack Nicholson or Clint Eastwood as like the main character in this movie. <laughs> Right, I couldn't see anybody else but Kurt Russell, honestly. Um, and I think because there has to be a, a Jack Nicholson, maybe because there has to be a level of not taking your shit seriously uh, in order to pull it off. Because if you watch Big Trouble in Little China, the weird thing about Big Trouble in Little China is the lead. If you think about it, is actually the supporting actor. The hero, the hero is the supporting actor in this movie, and it's actually his buddy who does all the fucking heavy lifting throughout the whole fucking movie, right? Like, yeah, Wang Chi. Yeah, he knows all about the fucking the underground. He knows all about the history. He's like, he knows how to fight. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's like the true hero in the movie. Yeah. But and Kurt Russell has to play this like gullible, like uh, American hero, um, and he he fucking nailed it. Exactly. Yeah, he nailed it. I think that like that was one of the things that they set out to do is to kind of uh, to do kind of the inverse of the traditional scenario with action films in that that sense because you have guys like you know like the, and, and even you know older like Green Lantern you know with Cato like Bruce Lee is the fucking man but yet he's you know the guy that goes and gets the car he you know he gets you know gets gets out of trouble but he's not the hero you know what i mean so it's spilling them, over from world war ii honestly it's still spilling over from world war ii the buck teeth the china hats the fucking you know what i mean that that look that that asian racism existed um and that asian typecasting existed right um yeah. and so big trouble little china was um definitely uh trying to uh bring light to asian mysticism in a way that showed the ignorance of uh, Western's opinions on it. Um, and I thought that was brilliant, a brilliant depiction of that. Um, John Carpenter said he still got pushback from the Asian community uh, from it, but uh, it wasn't like, uh, you know, there wasn't an internet back then, so I'm not sure. The way <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't message boards or, or anything. Or Twitter, to, there was a Twitter, yeah, exactly. Um, Jackie Chan was supposed to be, uh, was John Carpenter's first choice for Wang Chi for that for that character role. That guy was just an actor too. He didn't even know martial arts. Um and they he he just knew how to fucking channel the look, right? And and if you look at the cut shots, it's, it's like it's his his fight scenes are uh, aside from the sword fights. Yeah. He, um <laughs> he uh everything else was a lot of a lot of cut cutting. Uh, yeah. cut, cut magic, but uh the sword fights, he actually had to learn. He he took it seriously, and they said that he carried a little sword around with him everywhere, and like constantly was practicing his form because he wanted to do it. He wanted to. He wanted to do it justice, right? Yeah. yeah. One of the other things that I loved about this movie, and like it, it doesn't have anything to do with almost any of the main cast members in this thing. If you look at like like that first um, like the first fight scene where they're in the in the streets and they have the. Um, the funeral procession turned into that big gunfight, you know, kung fu battle, karate battle, whatever. Um, and what's interesting you, in that is, 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 is unlike a lot of Asian tales, sorry to cut you off. At that point in the beginning of the fight, you're not sure who is good or bad. Yeah, yet. right. And that's 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 a unique thing because usually that's well defined um, in Asian 
culture like it's like well defined who is good and who is bad and, right. and and who you're rooting for before the actual fighting happens um so that's a little bit you know a little bit off to do that go ahead sorry go ahead i love the guys that are actually there that are in the battle and, and that are in the fight there are uh like a litany of characters a litany of guys that you're like you look and you see and we're like yeah, like that dude's the the Asian bad guy for like the eighties. All the all the Shaw Brothers movies. Uh, the big up Golden Child. He actually has a Shaw Brothers homage on his layout. But yeah, like uh, Saturday afternoon after the after the Saturday morning cartoons. Yeah. Saturday afternoon was Kung Fu, and like it was it was all Shaw Brothers films and shit. And like all those guys, like yeah. from all those scenes, including the Three Storms, they're all yeah. like fucking huge in in china cinema for sure yeah yeah there's a guy that's there uh that's that's credited in this movie his name's al young he ends he goes on to being like uh like a stunt director and a stunt actor and stuff too he's in like bill and ted's he's in die hard he's in you know he's in a lethal weapon and he's just like those you just see like you know, if there's an Asian-looking bad dude that can play a Chinese triad or a Japanese yakuza or whatever, they're not they're not soul bent, hell bent on authenticity, but they need you know an Asian-looking dude that knows his shit. They're hitting up one of those three or four guys, and that like seeing them in like multiple different movies. You know, I'll I'll go and be honest, like with you know setting up and, and reviewing for this movie, I have never seen this movie from start to finish ever and i love movies i didn't i had seen snippets and clips and and caught it you know while it was on tv and this or that but sitting down and watching it from start to finish i had never seen this before so watching you know those smaller scenes that you know kurt russell's not in or you know that to to see those things i was like oh wow like i know i, I know that dude i know that dude it was such yeah. it was such a good thing to watch John Carpenter said they took the casting very, very seriously because they wanted that shit to be real. And they also wanted to pay homage to the, uh, you know, give some cash on a big budget film to some of these stars that are working for nothing, throwing the sacrificing their bodies for nothing in Chinese cinema. He purposely wanted to give them a big break, give them the big American ticket, pay them real money to do what they do well. Right. That was his whole thing about that. And he wanted to get the best of the best. And he was like proudly touting that. Uh, in the commentary, for, like it was like, yeah, we got the we got the number ones, man. We wanted the good guys, like, and it was dope. And like, and we wanted to give them, pay them well, hook them up, you know. I mean, give them that 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 spoiling treatment that they never really got in 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 their in their normal um, movie making careers, um, which is dope. I thoroughly enjoyed, like, I don't want to say cheese because that's not that's not true because the movie the movie's cool and I enjoyed it, but like. There, there is some kind of like, for the lack of a better term, oh, it's campy. It's, it, it's, it's campy for sure. Yep. Having you know, great Kim Cattrall in there, I thought was was cool. But I, I just felt that like a lot of what she was doing was just like, it was really hollow, and it was just kind of like, you know, they could have put, you know, they could have put a cardboard cutout of somebody at some point in there and just did it. I thought that like, for her to be like the leading lady of whatever the movie is, like. She's Especially like super, uh, super forgettable. The, the expert lawyer that's supposed to like understand uh, the human trafficking ins and outs that are going on yeah. uh, in San Francisco. Um, there was a little bit of inconsistencies in her character. Um, I thought her journalist companion pulled it off really well. Um, yeah. But the uh, yeah, as far as like um, her uh, being a strong authority 
um, in like the 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 CD underworld, um, they definitely there was there's a lot of inconsistencies in her character. For I, I agree. I just don't think she's not. She wasn't like she wasn't strong enough. Right. Well, right. I mean, I did. I like there are great. It's kind know, of consistent with eighties movie writing, though. It's, it's, it is true because we talked about that. That like even you know with the Princess Bride, that like you know Buttercup was like kind of you know whatever. Like they were you know it wasn't it wasn't very convincing that you know she was doing what she was doing with you know authority or, or whatever. Um, is there any other you know pieces? Oh, of Kim Cattrall is a great actress. We're not saying that she's not a great actress. I yeah. Like her. Yeah. Just, no denying that because I think I, she gets I think she gets better as she goes and that's what happens with a lot of the craft you know what I mean like even yeah. even she had points in like mannequin which is a later you know she's in a later 80s movies too she does a better job in that movie than this movie but that it's still that like it's still that progression you know what I mean and I don't think that like with how cool this movie is for what it was what it was you know going out to be you know that that you know I, I just don't think uh, I think she's definitely the weak link among you know the the top billing of of what what's there you know it's what i mean past. yeah totally yeah uh any any specific part you know that you, you you'd like to touch on that you discovered a couple of fun facts that i wanted to throw out yeah um, please okay it says uh john carpenter said that this is one of if not his fastest tempoed movie that he's ever made and he said that the movie is just bam 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 and i like that about this movie yeah um it's definitely a super fast paced movie and because of that if you've seen it enough times, it's one of those movies that can just be on. One of my favorite scenes, uh, as far as fast pace goes, is when they're finally at the big wedding. It all comes to the crescendo, and like the it, it's all going down. No, actually, this is right before that. I'm sorry. This is right right before they storm the wedding. They they make their presence known, and everyone goes in and they're ready to fucking fight. They drink the fucking the the magic the super juice. Super juice. <laughs> What was it? The eight dragons spirit, eight eggs, eight dragon spirits, whatever the fuck it was. They come in guns a blazing. Uh, good old Jack Burton fires his fucking Uzi into the sky, and some rocks come down and knock his ass out, and he's fucking knocked out for the whole fucking fight scene. <laughs> that's fucking the six demon bag. Yes, the six demon bag. <laughs> it's genius. That's genius, right? Because like he's supposed to be the hero, right? But, but he's not. Like he's the sidekick. In the hero's chair, you know I mean? relief, dude, and it's like, yeah. it, and it's it's uh, it's brilliant the way that it's it's positioned and like, yeah, it's yeah, it's super awesome. Like the part where like uh, they're they're about to escape with the um with the girls uh from the the CD lockup, and he's like, okay, it's all straightforward from here, nothing but security guards and, and front doors. So just stick behind me, and we'll be all right. And then he opens the fucking rolling door and it's like, all oh, these guys ready to fucking kick their ass. He closes it up and he's like, all right, I think we might be trapped. <laughs> Just like shit like that is great. Uh, my favorite scene though, and this is, this is not even, this is, this is just stupid. My favorite scene is when he's on the phone trying to pull his insurance claim and he's trying to get a hold of the insurance company for his truck and his truck is insured by Mutual's Insurance of Sacramento. And I was like, oh shit. Is Jack Burton from Sacramento? Because that fucking checks out. See, that's one of the reasons why I thought you picked this movie. It's one hundred percent. It's like it's it's in your area. You know what I mean? Like right. I figured there was some, you know, definitely some 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 local uh some local love there for you for sure. The Jack Burton is the egotistical fucking uh, hero in his own mind from Sacramento trucker who's uh you know a commuting restaurant goods to 
San Francisco Chinatown, that completely checks out. Even though the insurance company doesn't really exist in Sacramento, in case you all were wondering, <laughs> that's that, that I totally like every time that scene comes on, I'm just the 916. That's what's up, Jack Burton. <laughs> one of my favorite, one of my favorite scenes as, as far as, uh, as, as movie making goes is like the, if one of like the first, uh, it's like the first car chase. The, the first car scene to where they're coming up right on right right on them they're about to to hit them jack burton's like standing right there and like the 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 oh, what's the name of the uh, the gang the gang's in the <laughs> the gang's in the car and they're about to the, about to make their their way past um they literally shot it in reverse and then uh played it and sped it up so they had everyone do all the actions that needed to be done and so they could film it backwards or they, they filmed it in reverse, so when they did it and they and they ed- they edited it and flipped it and sped it up, so it could look like a high speed chase, lots of action. There's sh- like the movie magic shit that happens with that stuff. I love that stuff. I like sop up all that stuff. John Carpenter was um, definitely talking about how the, if they were to do this movie again, that the advancements in technology, it'd be a completely different movie. Um, the fact that they were dealing with the limitations of 1986 definitely yeah. defined how the movie looks and 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 watches. You got a um, floating thing of eyeballs, you know what I mean? That was like that's a practical effect. That is not computer generated. That yeah. is a shit ton of like puppetry and like all this other crazy shit. Right. It, it, it's nuts. And the guy when he uh, kind of like hulks out at the end and blows and blows up too, yep. like. All that shit's practical, you know what I mean? Like it could be a, a different, a, a definite different scene, you know, with technology today, if it were to get remade into re and like rebooted. But for them to be able to work with what they had, and 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 it played into the, you know, the mysticism of, you know, the powers and you know, and that things as well. And it was um, a cringe. It, you never cringed. You were fucking riding along the whole journey. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, even though like it's fantastical, it's fantasy, right? Um, it, you never, you never had the, you never were like, eh, you know what I mean? Like it's nonstop. Like you're, especially as a kid, you're just like fucking with it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, yeah all about it. So while we're talking about if this movie were to be remade today, let's, let's do that. Let's, let's remake it. It's one of the things that I like to do, uh, as if, you know, Hollywood's lack of, uh, original thought is, you know, is widely known for everyone that consumes media these days. One um, could argue. One could argue that even this movie was at one time an old western. You know what I mean? That never saw the light of day, right? Oh, for uh, sure. Yeah, yeah, like a John a John Wayne movie or right. you know whatever. That's kind of what John Carpenter was kind of going for, right? You know, with with his character to begin with is like that kind of you know John Wayne kind of you know scenario. I, I think a little bit, but. Uh, I, I supposedly like Dwayne the Rock Johnson has talked about interest in rebooting it and being a part of it, and uh, John Carpenter's like, nah, like he's like not, he's not really into it. Uh, he's, I think he said uh, it's not a meet, a meet, a, a amicable at this time, or uh, oh, he's ambivalent about the idea. That's what it was. New movie or not, it's been a comic book series and everything else, but there's been, you know, uh, there's even a video game that got released. But The Rock has expressed interest into doing it, but it's just kind of uh, you know I I, w- I wouldn't want to see The Rock as uh, as Jack Burton in this movie. 
Well, so, one, one thing that would be tough to remake this movie, and we actually touched on it a little bit earlier, is the social complexes involved with making that movie now versus back then. Yeah, 100%. Um, right? Because there is a lot of racial conflict going on and human trafficking, all kinds of real subjects that, you know, shouldn't be taken lightly, shouldn't be joked about, right? And But, you know, maybe sometimes you do need to joke about them to bring them to light. There's, one could right. argue that. Like making a movie that's kind of, I wouldn't say is derogatory towards Asians because I don't, I, like I said earlier, I don't think it was. But I, can, I don't either. Right. But uh, you're walking a thin line these days. With, yeah, with can be stuff or whatever. Yeah, for right. sure. You definitely couldn't have the uh, the misogynistic, almost racist Jack Burton as your lead character anymore. <laughs> like uh, it would have to be a little bit toned down and almost yeah. uh, uh, not funny anymore. Um, <laughs> as far as like who, what was your question? I lost it already. Oh, we're gonna we are gonna reboot this movie, hypothetically speaking. Okay, we're gonna recast. You know, some of the main characters in this movie okay. with like current actors of, of today. So like okay. we want to start with like Jack Burton, you know, who who do we see as a potential, you know, 2025 release uh, as, a, as a Jack Burton? Who do we see taking that role? I'm, literally, I'm Googling. <laughs> Clickety clickety clack. I'm Googling. I'll go, I'll go and give you time to, because the person I came up with is kind of like a no brainer. And, uh, you know, for anybody that watched the, the last movie or the last podcast, I went, I went heavy in the Marvel cinematic universe. I try not to do that this time, but there are definitely a, a couple. And if you're following, you know, if you've seen guardians of the galaxy, you know, that Kurt Russell plays Chris Pratt's dad in, you know, in this movie. So him having that irreverent kind of humor and, you know, the uh, able to have that, uh, that physicality part of it, uh, I would probably go with like a, a, as Chris Pratt, as, uh, as, uh, as Kurt Russell's character, Jack Urban. That could work. Probably, uh, Ryan Reynolds, I would say. Um, that's but, a, that's a too. Right. Uh, just because he can do the cockiness, um, and he can uh, pull off the action hero in the little spurts that it happens. Right. Um, he can he can do both, and that's why I, I was thinking like you know Chris Pratt with mine is because they can do that. He can pull off that smart witted humor, like the back and forth, or you know the improv ad lib stuff if it gets to it, because a lot of that you know is happening happen. today with yeah. comedies and in in that movie as well. Right. Um, so I think that's I think that's a good pick for sure. Who would be your co star on this one? If we're going with like Gracie Law, like Kim Kim Cattrall's, uh, um, no, we're going. Let's go with the the uh, uh, the the oh, fuck Wang Wang Chin. Oh, we're gonna okay. We're yeah Wang Chi's character. Yeah. Um, I I wanted to try to find somebody that was like a legitimate like martial artist because this guy is the hero of the movie, right? So right. I felt like I, I'm not gonna pick somebody that like you know was just maybe for lack of a better term, just stereotypically Asian that I could just, that's a, a popular celebrity because that to me is like in now we see that a lot of that stuff is, is going away and they're getting, they're going like authentic and they're going with like somebody that, you know, is, and uh, is of the part or is of the culture, like how they remade Mulan. Like there's not a, a very famous person. You have Jemmy Jet Lee's in there. Spoiler right. alert. Like, you know, like Mulan's not Ming-Na Wen. Like she's not like, Jamie Chung, who's like, you know, two of the more famous, you know, American Asian actors off the top of my head. They're going authentic for that. And so right. what I wanted to do was kind of find somebody that, you know, had the acting chops. So it could maybe give a little bit more of a well-rounded acting part of, you know, that experience, but also is, is a martial artist. 
uh, I, I chose um, uh, Osric Chow. And he is a martial artist that was on um, Supernatural. So that, that CW show where they're like looking into like demons and this and that. Like he's been on that show. Okay. He's a younger guy. Um, he he can, you know, he can pull off the martial arts stuff. And, you know, he can act, he's got some acting chops. So for me, he, he may not be like ultra stratosphere famous, but he's somebody that, you know, has the acting chops, has, you know, has that stuff to, to go and do that. I can't even think of anybody that could fill that spot because everybody that I'm thinking of is like already too old to fill that spot. God, who would it be? I don't know. What does the chat think? Stump you. Jimmy O. Wang. Oh my God. That'd be fucking hilarious. <laughs> Dude, that would be fucking hilarious. Are you kidding Ent me? Entity. I've never watched the CW. Uh, I've never watched Supernatural, but I know of it. So that's, it is what it is. But there's um, a lot of people. There's a lot of people that do enjoy that show. For sure. <laughs> so that rules out Ken Jeong. Yeah, I would. I don't think. I don't think Ken Jeong would be. Uh, we could, but he maybe he could pull off like egg, uh, like Egg Shen or something like that. What about like? I mean, if we're going like comedians, what about like Bobby Lee? <laughs> <laughs> Bobby Lee, seriously, uh, he could pull off Egg Shen too. He was he was on like my my top three uh, to pop in for uh, for for Egg Shen for sure. You wouldn't you wouldn't put uh, Ken Ken Jeong as uh, as Egg Shen. Uh, Egg, Egg Shen maybe, but that, that, he's not who I picked. But if you want to, if you want to talk to that, we could we could jump to that for sure. Egg okay. Shen, aka uh, who was originally cast by Victor Wong, aka Grandpa and the Three Ninjas. Yes, uh, Rocky loves Emily. Love that movie. Dude, um, Victor Wong's fucking incredible, dude. He's awesome. in in this movie even. He's he's just like this super fucking like the one who knows it all has the has the demon bag like he was he's been ready for this for centuries right yeah, that's sorcerer shit he's ready he's ready for it john cho i'm thinking uh the guy from i picked benedict wong benedict wong was in uh, he's been in a bunch of other things but you know he's most recently been wong in uh the doctor strange and like the avengers like the later avengers movies he's a little bit larger authentic Asian actor that pulls off comedy. He can kind of do dry humor and other stuff as well Has a martial artist background. So I think he could kind of pull that stuff off as well. You know, I think that would, you know, that's, you know, Jackie Chan could, could do something along those lines where he's older, but still a good guy because I don't think he'll play a bad guy. Cause that's just, he's turned down role after role for decades because he doesn't want to be the bad guy. Hold on. There's a, uh... How come I'm not? I'm drawing a total blank right now. I'm like a total <laughs> idiot. Uh, let's see here. There's somebody that's. God damn! How come I can't remember his name? I'm gonna find him. Give me a second. Give me a second, y'all. Where is he? Donnie Yen. That's what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think he could pull that off. Yeah, I think uh, Donnie Yen would be dope for uh, for Egg Shan. Yeah, or, Donnie or, or Lopan, maybe Lopan. Um, but definitely he could be like the wise old Egg Shan, right? I, I could see yeah. him doing that. But uh, yeah, that's 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 probably where I'm going with that one. <laughs> I like it. I like it. How about how about we do David Lopan then? Who do you who do you think uh, you you pick for our our main villain? Uh, David Lopan. I'd probably say it's got to be one of the old guys, dude. It's got to be like Jet Li or Jackie Chan. It's got to be one of the geezers, just to show homage. <laughs> you know I mean? Yeah, should pay homage, show some respect. Right. I'd say I'd say probably uh, yeah, he has a Samuel Wong vibe. Either uh, one of them, or uh, what's his name? Uh, God, he's the guy from Kill Bill. Uh, Chai, uh, Chai, Hu, Chai Hu Lu. Okay. He's, from, 
he's from he's from the guy from Kill Bill. He's the main villain. Yes, yeah, the the guy that's um, the guy that teaches her. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes, yes, yes. The beers, like, whoosh, yep. love that, love that guy. Um, I picked Kerry Tagawa. Kerry Tagawa is ironically, super ironically, he is Shang Tsung in the Mortal Kombat movies. Who this character was originally derived from, being David oh, Lopez. that's a good call. Yeah, that's a good call. I like I like him as, as that. I think like he had Jet Li or someone like they could could the older guys could do that. But as soon as like you know, I'm like, yeah, this guy's like he's still alive. He could do it. I'm like, he's, yeah, like that's, he's that's definitely Shang Tsung. You, yeah. uh, that, uh, that's a perfect role, actually. I, I think that would be dope. So who do we see as like uh, as Gracie Law? So like Kim Cattrall's character that you know not <laughs> smart but not overtly smart you know apparently i think with i think with the 2025 you know reboot she's obviously going to be you know a stronger more you know with it kind of uh, a female mm-hmm. um i'm out of this is out of my scope right. yeah i, I think hollywood female actors like i'm i'm, I'm not a database for that uh, <laughs> not an expert i picked uh, amanda seyfried uh, she's in Mean Girls. She's the like Mama Mia, the girl in that. Uh, she's got that like kind of blonde, you know, model type look to her. But she also has naturally green eyes. Oh, okay. One of the reasons why I picked that she has naturally green eyes because if you notice uh, in the the HD version, uh, if you can watch this movie, it is very, very, very apparent that those ladies are wearing contact lenses. Right. <laughs> As, as opposed to, you know, back in, you know, 86 when the theatrical trailer was released. Yeah. Uh, so so I, I was like, I got to find a green eyed actress that, you know, is a blonde type can kind of figure that role. Uh, Emma Stone is also a good one. JC. Um, I think I think she could kind of pull that off pretty well. Yeah. That's a I'm good gonna, one. I'm going to go with. Let's see. Who did I come up with? I come, I come up with Peggy Olsen from Mad Men. <laughs> I like it. I like it. This is a, a random, dude. This is random. I'm, I'm like I said, I'm out of my scope. I'm not an authority in that that spot. Emma Stone, that'd be dope. Actually, I know who Emma Stone is. That would be dope. Yeah, Pick I think the, the only other person, uh, the other two to to cast is like the reporter friend, and then like the guy that likes her, like Eddie Lee's character. Uh, Eddie that, Lee. Could be, that could be what's his name, uh, Johnny O or whatever his name is. Why am I so bad with names right you now? John Cho, maybe. Thinking of. Um, Good thing I have Google in front of me, man. I'd be <laughs> Jimmy O. Yang would be great as the friend who likes uh friend who likes the reporter. Yeah. I picked Randall Park because he's like probably one of the more known actors. He's like in uh the Ant-Man and the Wasp, he's in Aquaman, uh he's in just a lot. He's been on a bunch of TV, yeah, a bunch of TV stuff, super popular, legit Asian actor, but he's got like that kind of nerdy vibe that can kind of break through that, and it's like you know, kind of backseated from, you know, all the rest of the people, you know, as well. Uh, who's, who's the reporter? That's a, that's a tough one. I, I've like, I've kind of gone back and forth about it. I'm not really, uh, it's a Margot. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's her name. Who would be Margot? Let's see. I, I think uh, if we want to go with somebody, oh, i got to f- find out what her name is. In, in the Jumanji reboot, the girl that like, is is out there i think she could probably do that role you know you know or maybe like Kristen wick uh i think she could probably you know do something like that somebody that has like a little bit more brains to her that's not you know gonna upstage uh 
you know, your 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 main, you know, like you know, the beauty actress or whatever from that. I think that's a possibility. Yeah, I don't, I can't figure that out. Her name is Morgan Turner. Is uh, Martha when she plays Martha in Jumanji? Uh, but that's. Have you seen the reboot for Jumanji, like the newer one with like The Rock? I haven't seen that one yet. Is it any good? Um, I, it's it's a solid reinterpretation. Mm -hmm. I think you know. I, I think it's a solid uh, reinterpretation. Uh, I love Kristen, the original. But I have I have not seen the reboot. That's on the list though. I got it's one of those ones that I want to watch with my kids, and they have so many movies that they want to watch when they come over that I get vetoed every time I try to put that one. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's mostly. I mean, we have like some. You know, those are like your main. Your, your main characters down there. Uh, if you guys would like to come and join the live studio roundup, roundtable discussion, talking about this movie, you guys want to come and, and, and rip us apart for things we've said, you want to add something to the conversation, the link's right there in the chat. You guys can go ahead and join that and jump in if you'd like. Here's um, a fun fact. Uh, Kurt Russell said that he had to learn how to drive a diesel, a big rig in order to fill this movie out. And when the scene in the beginning, when they pulled the truck up, when they're on set and they pull the truck up into the alley and like they stop the, the truck stops that wasn't where the truck was supposed to stop kurt could not fit the truck around the corner and decided to stop before he ran into the building and they, and they cut they cut there and uh they just left it there <laughs> we're gonna shoot around this i love that the uh the studio pressured uh john carpenter into going with Kim Cattrall because she'd been like that kind of like babe in other movies. Cause this movie is like after police Academy, mm. this movie is after Porky's. Mm. So like she's in both of those and like, she's already just, the, the poster girl. Yeah. Right. So, you know what I mean? Like they, they got to give her something like that. And like, it's, it's funny to see you know, how these things kind of shake down with, you know, the, the battle between like, what the studio wants and what the creative part of the people, the, the give and take uh, that happens with that. It's just, it, it, it's super fun. And Kurt Russell's defining himself uh, still too. I mean, he's, he's got his early escape from, but he's also, he's still breaking the stereotype of being a Disney actor at this point too. He's still kind of be transforming from a Disney actor to um, action movie person. And, you know, we all know where it went, Captain Ron. Um, <laughs> He he did uh he did kind of rebound himself a little bit with uh with the Guardians of the Galaxy. I like I liked him in that. Movie. True that. Did you know that uh, here's another fun fact for for those of you guys that love this movie. Egg Shen's office in the same location as another 80s classic movie. Does it look familiar? It should. Uh, it's the same place that they filmed the interior shots of Ghostbusters. Super dope. That firehouse like that that whole see that whole that whole firehouse. Is is that is the same exact place that they shot that? I always I like when I found that out and, and doing the research. I was like, you know what? Like it, that you're right. It is that that it is exactly that place. They said that the set designs were so amazing for this movie because the budget was so high that a lot of those sets were used again and again in movies down the road. Um, and you can totally see it. They said that if you look at a lot of movies and music videos. Uh, Michael Jackson and Janet Jackson both used their sets in their videos at some point. It was super popular for television and music video production uh, post Big Trouble in Little China filming, which is an interesting fun fact. That's dope. I love the final setting there with like the 
neon castle gray skull looking giant skull it's just super wild it's like quintessential 80s deliciousness i love that. right absolutely the way that they shot this stuff too like you're saying like we were saying earlier without this the computer assisted stuff like when lopan floats across the room he was standing on a dolly and somebody was pulling the dolly on a rope to make him roll across the room and they shot it you know waist up so it looks like he's just floating yeah. There's, actually, there's actually somebody pulling him on a fucking dolly with a rope, like old school tricks like that. You know what I mean? In order to make pull the shit off. You can uh, see that like all the all those chops and like the cuts of all those action scenes, like going back now after watching, you know, years and years of film, you're just like, that's how they did that. Like that stuff is super cool. Or when you go and see the like watch the stuff on the commentary when they start talking about that stuff. Cause like I remember uh do you remember watching uh like the Planet of the Apes that came out and like 2000 2001 do you ever see that movie like tim burton took it and like did it how they how they were able to shoot them in their full like ape like gait and to be going at like 30 40 miles per hour and how they did that how they're able to like the the cinematography how they were like able to put them on like a flat sheet and basically just drag them so they're literally just going like this in place but the inertia of them being on that flat sheet moving with a truck they were able to kind of like cheat the camera that way it's like super 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 awesome i loved it i loved it all of the uh all of the in-car scenes from the big rig were all shot in a studio like old school style in a green in a green room with the fucking the cutouts and like all the camera angles and somebody shit. in the back fucking shaking <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that's good times man i'm down i would love to be involved with a production like that where it's just like um all the old tricks trying to pull out all the old tricks that'd be a lot of fun i mean you got the ability to do that and more sitting right behind you there you know with that with that lovely green screen that you've uh, that you've built there thank you it's uh that's been a lot of fun so let's talk about that for a quick second and kind of wrap things up on the uh on the movie side of things um what do you uh what do you have going on you know for the people that you know, aren't watching this or, or aren't familiar with you that are, are watching, discovering you for the first time on YouTube or through our podcast, you know, where can people find you? You know, what, what, what do we, what have you got coming up? What can, it's time to plug, sir. Okay. Let's plug away. It's easy just to start at twitch.tv slash 916 junglist. If you visit that site, then my channel trailer will greet you and give you more information. So Twitch.tv slash 916junglist is a good place to start. My name is Billy Lane, and 916junglist is the channel. So just as long as the, the, the difference is being spread out there, like that's that's all that I really... Did in. you notice that I didn't do that? I, yeah, I, I noticed. I, I noticed. Thank you. Um, and the reason is, is because 916junglist uh, has been a household name that multiple people have identified with for two decades now, they have been calling themselves 916 Junglists for two decades now. It's a fucking gang. And so, <laughs> um, and it's not so, one person. it's not one person, right? Community, right. community, right? So, uh, I prefer gang. And so, um, <laughs> it's 2021. People are sensitive. You know, I'm just throwing out there. Like, I know, I know, I know. I'm being, I'm being a dick. Um, <laughs> But uh, yeah, so yeah, 906 Junglist, twitch.tv slash 906 Junglist. Come hang out. I stream every Wednesday, Friday, Saturday night. Wednesday is DJs Not DJing. That's a talk show for DJs. I like to think of it as the black belt course for DJs. We talk some really deep 
shit. We ask the hard questions. We try to get the tough answers. And um, it's a step beyond, so you want to be a DJ, right? It's, a, it's one step beyond that. And anybody who's looking, like aspiring to be a DJ is absolutely welcome. But the curve is steep on purpose. And then um, Fridays is called Talk or Rewind. That's just kind of my night to have fun. I DJ from 9.16 p.m. Pacific on. Um, and we play games. We have a good time. I play music that I made, like original music that I made. I play music that I'm feeling. Play a bunch of different genres. And it usually ends up uh, with drum and bass uh, at the end or, you know, eventually. Saturdays is called Inside the Ride. And what that is is actually a, a drum and bass party. And so what I'm trying to do with that is uh, provide exposure to talent. We have a new DJ every single hour. Try to be a platform for new DJ, for DJs um, who want to be a part of this. Um, and uh, sometimes uh, we have DJs where this doesn't necessarily provide a platform for them, but they're still in. Like my homie, No Use for Anger. We've had uh, DJ Miss Ninja on, and you're coming on pretty soon. Aiden Scott's been on. Um, folks that you know are already doing great numbers, um, and so we can't really provide a platform, but you're still down, and um, that's very much a part of it as well. Community um, on Saturdays is awesome. I called it a drum and bass party because we also have a Zoom room or a Zoom call between sets where you can see the party going on from a, a Zoom chat room perspective um, in between DJs. And that's it's a lot of fun because you get what I call the the patio talk that's been kind of missing from these DJ streams, in my opinion. You get the the party party uh, where the people that are that are all talking aren't necessarily the DJ for the show, aren't necessarily the host for the show. It's just everybody, right? And then, so you get all this side conversation going on. That reminds me a lot of the patio outside when there's parties rocking inside. There's the patio outside, right? Um, and so that's what we're trying to do on uh, the Zoomer room on Saturdays. And then uh, so Wednesday, Friday, and Saturday, three completely different shows, pop-ups every now and then, and always, always uh, tuning in to my man, DJ Darth Vader, whenever I see him on. That's the home. I appreciate that. I, appreciate that. Uh, I want to say that with the pandemic being what it is, and we can kind of wrap wrap up, I, I think, with this. You, to me, have moments of being uh, very deep and very internal and very reflective on a lot of things. Um, there are times when you're just a, you know, just a, a, a smart ass, you know, and, and laugh at a fart joke. But you have that that moment uh, of of true levity and understanding and, and deeper uh, kind of stuff that that I, I really enjoy. One of the things that I find that has been the most silver lining of all of this has become the the friendship that you and I have forged that I that I truly respect. I, I talk to you almost every day. I talk to you more and you and a few other people that are in the chat right now more than I have talked to my quote unquote real friends. You know what I mean? That like there's someone that I have never met, you know, on on the other end of a uh, of a computer screen. And the the story that that I'll leave uh, everyone with is that it's super serendipitous that this happened because uh, we were both, you know, hanging out in a Twitch channel, watching, you know, DJs talk about stuff, try to learn something or, or just chat and hang out. And your name is Billy Lane. Right. My name, I'm going to let the, the veil down here because <laughs> my name is Brandon Blaine. So, the fact that our names are super close together, they were getting butchered by uh, Tweak Music Tips, by Kova, you know, during his show and whatever. So we ended up, it ended up being the joke is that 
you know, we were being mis, uh, miscounted or, or mis, misquoted as the other guy and this and that. So it was the funniest thing that, that our names are so similar, but then we have kind of attached, I think, to each other, you know, very well. Uh, and, and even down to the, the hand we write with. I appreciate you being here. I appreciate you coming and spending uh, your, your, your night with me. I appreciate the community that you have allowed me to be a part of uh, with the 916 Junglist crew. I love those guys. I have all the love for you, sir. Thank you so much for being here. And uh, I will see you soon. Let me get one more thing in. One more thing in, oh, if I can. Okay. Yes, one go. more thing in, if I, if I can. Back when I first started doing DJs, not DJing, it was myself and Audio One and my homie, uh, Evan For Real. Um, big up Evan Friel and big up Audio One. The And when we were trying to figure this all out, one thing that I said that was going to come out of this is that we're going to meet some people that are like-minded people. And we're going to create some real lasting friendships from this for two reasons. One is because we'll identify with these people and we'll have a lot in common and we're going to be like, yeah, you're fucking cool. That's dope. I never even knew you existed. But And that's super awesome. And two, this is an important thing to remember is that we are enduring a hardship together. When you come out the other side of something together, uh, that creates uh, like brothers at war, man. That creates a, a true bonding that lasts a very, very long time. We'll say for the rest of our lives. And so um, I am super happy that I found a true friend in all of this and true friends in all of this. Big up to everybody in the chat too, because that has been the true like silver lining to what was a crazy ass 2020 and what's obviously still going on. So thank you, man. Seriously, big up to you. Thank you so much. All right, guys, this has uh, been Billy Lane from the 916 Junglist channel. We are going to say goodbye to him and then we're going to wrap up the show. Thank you so much for being here, sir. I will talk to you very soon. Thank you. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. This has uh, been Fader Friends, episode number two. Next week, we're going to be here at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, we're going to bring in another DJ friend of mine, uh, Joshua Carl, and we're going to be watching What We Do in the Shadows. Uh, I have not seen this movie, so it's going to be my first time. It's one of his favorite movies. It's a movie that he, love, he loves, and uh, he's super pumped to talk about. Um, so I'm super looking forward to him. I, uh, coming on the show and just dropping some serious knowledge for us. And if you guys want to subscribe to uh, the 916 Junglist channel, please, please make sure you give him a like and a follow as well. We're going to be back Thursday, 9 p.m. Eastern. Thank you guys so much for being here. Please like and subscribe if you can on all the channels where it's available. We're on Apple Podcasts. We're on Spotify. The video from this uh, live podcast will be up on YouTube within the next few days. Thank you so much. 